With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, hockey fans, and welcome once again to the Vegas Hockey Podcast. I'm Mark Warner, along with Chris and Lisa. Hey, Mark. It's uh, great to be here, and this is a special show for a lot of reasons. We are now going to be affiliated with the inaugural launch of the Hockey Writers Podcast page over at thehockeywriters.com. We're talking with J.D. Styles from Cali Sports News, reporting live from the Stanley Cup Finals. And today we're being joined by the first general manager in Las Vegas franchise history, George McPhee. With Pat Quinn, you know, I'm likely the finest man I've ever met in my life. This is the Vegas Hockey Podcast. We're talking with Quinn Malarchek. There's something about George McPhee that everybody says is a good fit. This is the Vegas Hockey Podcast, and we're talking with Dan Lane, play-by-play voice for the MLB Rebel Hockey Team and owner of Dan Lane Sports. Joining us now is Matt Pryor of thehockeywriters.com. He's coming to us from the Dallas Stars training camp. Hello, hockey fans. We're back once again on the Vegas Hockey Podcast. I'm Mark Warner along with Chris Lisa. Today we're going to be breaking down the Metropolitan Division, Chris's home division with his beloved New York Islanders. Um, we're going to see how they're going to do this year along with the rest of the teams in the division. We have a, uh, we had a little turnover on guests. We had a, uh, Mark Scheig was supposed to join us in uh, unavoidably uh, couldn't make it to the show today, so... Chris was able to bring in a last-minute guest for us. Chris, why don't you give us a little background on our guest today? Yeah, it's great to be great to be on the show. Uh, we're going to have Michelle Anderson, uh, the the man behind the scenes on Eyes on Isles, uh, the fan sided uh, New York Islander website. But he knows the Metro, knows the NHL inside and out. But he knows the Metro even better. So uh, we're going to break down the Metro with him. He was a Slated to be a future guest within the, in the next couple of weeks, so we uh, he was able to uh, make it all work for us today. So uh, he, uh, you know, what do they say? Someone gets gets hit with a shot during a warm up, and then you know, someone who uh, you know gets into the lineup. So uh, uh, it should be a great show, and uh, you can find Michelle at at eyes at eyes on Isles FS, and the website is eyesonisles.com. So breaking down the metro which is an interesting division to me yeah it is uh there's some statistics that could say that that it's one of the strongest divisions in hockey um and i i i believe that too from from the top down to five or six it's going to be a a a good division to keep an eye on all year unfortunately for your islanders there's a lot of competition (laughs) a lot of competition in that division starting with the caps who just ran away with everything last year, and then obviously the Penguins as defending Stanley Cup champions. Uh, neither one of those teams had too much turnover, as you know, like the Rangers went went through some of their some of their staples will no longer be with them. Um, so that'll be interesting to look forward to too. Just uh, give me some general thoughts on the division just going forward before we get Michelle on the line here. I think it's a deep division. I mean, I would say most people will say, obviously, the two best divisions in hockey are the Central and the Metro. Central's probably stronger when you look at the top, let's say, four teams. But when you look at the division as as a whole, you know, even like a team like Carolina, who was pushing for a playoff spot the last week or so, came up a few points short. You know, Columbus got better after that horrible, horrible start. Um you know the, the Flyers. Obviously, this division uh, five teams have made it out, made the playoffs out of this division. 
You know, even though the Devils were one of the biggest overachievers last year. I mean, they had two thirty goal scores. They had Taylor Hall. Of course, Schneider's probably one of the best goalies in the league that no one to, well, definitely that nobody talks about enough. So, you know, and, and then you got the Islanders and Rangers as well, Caps and the Pens. So, yeah, this is a pretty, pretty, you know, t- tough division. And um, uh, it'll be interesting to see how this plays out. You have uh, some young teams, some veteran teams, and uh, it's a huge year for the Capitals. Uh, uh, they have T.J. Yoshi and uh, your boy, Jason Williams, uh, Jason, Justin Williams, uh, on last year at their deals, and I, you know, in the cap world, there's no way they're going to be able to keep both of those guys, keep either one of those guys, most likely. So, especially with some of their young guys uh, coming up uh, to contract. So, the big year for them to, you know, to break, get to that Stanley Cup final. Yeah, well, let me do a little local news here. Uh, since Dana's not able to join us today. We uh, the UNLV Rebel Hockey came home from a three-game trip through Utah five and zero. Excuse me. Um, they've got their first win back at home, the Soviet Ice Arena, uh, beating Weber State again, and then followed up followed up yesterday. Unfortunately, taking a three-two loss, their first loss of the season. So that puts them at six and one on the young young season there for the UNLV Skating Rebels. They have uh, Friday night, Arizona State comes to town. And then Sunday, with the rink still set up at T-Mobile Arena from Frozen Fury, which we'll get into in a second, uh, Arizona State and UNLV get to get to skate on the, on the pro ice there at T-Mobile Arena. And all the proceeds from the local fans that turn out go to the UNLV Skate and Rebel fun so if you're if you're in town and you're fired up from frozen fury go back to t-mobile sunday and make sure you check out the unlv six and one skating rebels they're off to a great start this season next saturday also down at t-mobile is the the second game of frozen fury queens kings i said queens oh my kings fans are gonna hate on me king kings dallas will be doing game two our buddy matt Pryor will be down there i'm looking forward to meeting up with him but also before before the game down in in toshiba plaza is going to be the las vegas knights first fan fest with i think mcphee and foley and a couple local ties they haven't i haven't got all the news yet from who's going to be there but um, rumor has it a certain Las Vegas NHL player might show up, so it'd be fun to meet meet him if if that turns out to be true, Mr. Zucker. I hope you I hope you do show up down there. It's good for the community, sir. Um, that that kind of kind of wraps up the local news. Looking forward to Frozen Fury, the first NHL game in in our new arena here. I I did go down and see the arena, and and Chris, I got to say, if you ever get out here and I get to take you to the game, man, it's it's you'll you'll see it on TV, but it's it's a fantastic arena for hockey. Everything's so close to the ice. The upper decks is just right on top of it. There's not a bad seat in the house, so everyone here is fired up. Um, the the last so far, nothing's been announced yet, but the the contract between the Kings, I think it's a 16 year history, 17 year history with Frozen Fury here in Las Vegas is may come to an end. I don't think they've signed on for a new deal with the team yet. Uh, there's a little Dana hinted at a little budding rivalry uh, behind the scenes last week with the the president Murray Craven wanting to go out and take a look at the Kings facility and they said no nah, no thanks so they're starting early to, to build that rivalry it looks like it'll be a lot of fun next week so everybody come on out and support support Frozen Fury the Las Vegas Knights and UNLV hockey so now now that we got that out of the way Let's uh, let's cut this segment down, and we'll bring in our guests for the evening. We'll be right back. All right, hockey fans, welcome back to the show. We have a last-minute fill-in guest for us, and we appreciate him taking the time to jump in here late in the game and, and get our Metro Division preview underway. On, on the line with us now is Michelle Anderson. He runs the fan side of the website eyes on isles and you can find him on twitter at eyes on isles fs michelle welcome to the show and thanks for coming in last minute man we appreciate it hey thanks for having me guys it's uh it's my pleasure really i just really appreciate the offer it's it's great to come on i got the time 
you know, just two kids, but, you know, whatever. They're asleep, so it's fine. Perfect, perfect. We're looking Let- to talk some hockey, some Metro Division hockey. Yeah, for sure. Great. Let's let's not wake the kids up, and we'll keep you as long as we can. <laughs> <laughs> where, where are you at, actually? I live in Ottawa. You live so in? It's quite a while away from New York. But interestingly enough, I live in a part of Ottawa where um, Denny Potvin was born and grew up. There you go. So we got a nice little Merle up on Merle. Merle. Uh, mural on our main street here of Denny Potvin and his brother Jean. Well, that, that's it's cool. pretty cool. That is cool. That is cool. Um, that'd be like living in a little farm town where, where the Sutters grew up. <laughs> right, right? <laughs> Everything has like... 15,000 shutters on them. No kidding. You gotta, you gotta know everyone to get like your key to the city. Well, let me get your, let me get your take now that the event has actually ended. Um, obviously team Canada with a thrilling two goals in the last four minutes did clinch and win the world cup. Uh, how, how was that received? It seemed like it didn't quite have the legs that maybe the world cup did in the past. Um, how did, aside from, you know, the, the national fervor of winning the the world cup was it well viewed up there was it was it embraced from the start outside of the toronto area um no not really it's not that people didn't care i think they would have cared if we didn't win anything but winning and i think people here would have started i mean not pitchforks and riots like in montreal but it would have been kind of the uh, some sort of uphaul like like in in the usa hockey but outside it as long as we won, people didn't really care. Right. I think that's really it. If we hadn't won, it would have been a big deal. But winning was all that really matters. And people just didn't really tune in. They watched because they were like Team Canada. But it was kind of one of those passing glances going, what's going on over there? Oh, yeah, they scored? Oh, cool. All right. Oh, they won. Yay. Right. I kind of had that same um, feeling here. With yeah, uh, I, I feel like the, the term is getting a bad rap for that, but I don't think it's necessarily fair. Because you're dealing with an end, people compare it to uh, the Olympics, right? Where they say, "Well, it's not the Olympics." We're going. You're absolutely right. It's not the Olympics, but that's the thing. Like this tournament is essentially brand new. It, it's not literally brand new, but it, it it is technically brand new. So it's got to recreate all of that context and history. So in four years from now, people might be more interested. You know, especially Americans going, "Can we do better than this year?" But well, or or going to be bad no matter what. From Team USA standpoint, can we do worse than this time? <laughs> I don't know. It's kind of rough. It, it was a rough go for you guys. Man, uh, I don't know what to say about that. I think, I think Dean Lombardi built the team in the vein of the Los Angeles Kings, and um, perhaps that brand of hockey, while is still competitive, isn't the best brand of hockey to bring to a tournament like that. And that's just it. With it's such a short tournament, that kind of hockey won't 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 translate. Absolutely. I mean, it's perfect for the playoffs in the NHL, where it's such a long grind, and you have the opportunity to wear your opponents down. And by the time you get to game five, game six, game seven, they don't want to go in the corners and get the puck anymore. They just don't. Um, right. And uh, uh, even in the even in the NHL, I see that brand of hockey. I mean, look look at the Pittsburgh Penguins last year. They the and the San Jose Sharks both. San Jose Sharks can play a physical brand of hockey, but they they're a, a team built around speed and skill to the large extent, and obviously the Penguins are built around speed and skills. So, if you don't have the the depth of talent to pull from when you're trying to build a physical grinding puck control type team, when you're I mean you're limited to the USA skaters and you don't have a, a Drew Doughty to to move the puck for you, and you don't have a Jeff Carter, and you don't have an Andre Kopitar, um, all those guys are playing on other teams in that little tournament, and then. Obviously, leaving off some of the more skilled players that might have, might have been able to put the puck in the net didn't do didn't bode well for USA. And I think it was a poorly conceived USA team more than anything else. I don't think the guys there weren't obviously doing their best, but I mean they they hung Quickie out to dry quite a bit, and they paid for it. So I yeah. think I think some rethinking is in is in vogue there for Team USA. You you gotta you gotta have a better concept of where you're going and what what the format of the tournament is when you're building your team, kind of a la Herb Brooks style. Well, that's just it, right? A lot of people want to argue that well, the USA just wasn't a good team, and you go, well, that's not necessarily true. They're a very skilled and very good team. It's just it was an ideological or philosophy fail on their behalf, where they, like you said, they built a team based off of certain ideology or philosophy around the game. 
and it just wasn't suited to the type of game they were going to play in that short window. I agree. So the yeah. guys could have got it done in a different context, but with that specific context, they couldn't get it done. And I'm not so a, like, the, the, the team is set up, but it's just not going to win in the short term. No, and I'm not a I'm not and never have been a Tortorella fan. Um, <laughs> I don't. I don't I, think you're on the minority. Uh, I, I'm not breaking any news there, but <laughs> wow. Okay. <laughs> well, let's jump off onto the Met uh, Metropolitan Division. We've got the President's Cup and the defending Stanley Cup champions coming out of that division. Um, let's uh, let's start yeah. let's start regular season. Chris's moan of agony there with what he's up against this season with the Isles. But let's start with our our President Trophy winners. Who really there wasn't any question for about the last month of the season who was going to have the home ice in the, going into the playoffs with the President's Cup. And once again, um, we always say, show me, don't tell me, um, eliminated in yeah. the playoffs. What? I, and, I, and I don't see any – I mean, Barry Trotz, I'm a big Trotz fan. I, I, I think he's a, he's a great coach, and I think he's the right coach for that team. But I didn't see any changes to make me think – that they were going to do anything different this year. I think they're going to be a solid regular season team. May, depending from the playoff hangover and the expectations that were there, um, could be contending for the President's Cup again. But I'm going to stay right where I was last season. you got to show me, don't tell me in the playoffs. Can, Michelle, let me start with you. Can, can the Capitals get over the hump again? In the playoffs, or are we going to have the same story later on down the road? I think that the main point that you, that, that you make is just you already forget about the regular season because that is already done with, essentially. That 82-game stretch from October all the way to April is done because we know they're going to make it into the playoffs. And like you're saying, can they get past that hump? Whereas a lot of people have said that it's all down to Ovechkin. Ovechkin can get it done. But Ovechkin can. He showed repeatedly that he can get it done in the playoffs, and he's one of those guys that shows up all the time. So it's not always on him, it's on the rest of the team. And then what you allude to is that they haven't really changed a lot on that team. Not enough to say, like, okay, well, they're gonna they're gonna be, they're better defensively. And I think that's really their one area of weakness, if you can call it that. It's not up front, it's not on the on the back end on in the crease. You know, they got one of the better goaltenders in the league there in Braden Holpe. So it's really on the defensive right. core where they where they could have maybe added some depth, but that's all saying who. Who would they add? Who, who's going to go there? And I think, I'm not sure about their cap situation, but I think they're right up against the gun here. It's not over it. So, like, what else were they going to do? So I really don't see the Caps doing any, any much better. They might get to the conference finals, but ugh, they'll be lucky if they get past that, is a thing. So I really don't see them getting out of the playoffs any later than where they got out now, or last year, I guess I should say. I do like bringing in Eller, and I and I do like bringing in Connolly because if if he can bring, go back to where he was with Tampa before they moved him, he he can bring a little bit of skill and a lot of bit of speed that that maybe isn't you know isn't present on that. Although they are a fast team, he he can he can add just a little bit more of that element. It just you know it's always a question mark with those uh, undersized players, so to speak. Um, dur- durability and whatnot, but I, I do like that that addition. Um, Jason Chimera moving over to the Islanders, I think that hurts them a little bit. But overall, I, I think with the Caps, it's just you know, like, like you just said, they did they did bring in uh, Lars Eller too, right? Lars Eller, right, right. What's your thoughts on the Caps, Chris? Yeah. Uh, I'm with you. I, I have to. I know they're going to have a big season, uh, a regular season. You know, when they play the big boys in the playoffs, I, I got to see. Be it right now, deemed uh, Tampa and Pittsburgh, uh, they got to win those series, and that's up for debate. So, uh, you know, proof uh, actions speak louder than words. So, I'm with you on that one, Mark. I think Holpe's going to have to win it, and I think he can win it. But I just don't know if he will win it. Um, now, now let's go. Let's go. To the stand- how many can he win? Yeah, for sure. Because right? how you, many? You think with a goalie like that, he's gonna he's gonna win two because the team in front of him plays well. He's got to steal you a game where you probably shouldn't win, and then getting that fourth game in a playoff series. 
Um, that's the one extra that hope he's going to have to bring to the table is maybe having to steal two games when you get to the playoffs instead of just – that's kind of how I look at a playoff series is your team's going to win you two games. I mean, if you're going to be successful, your team's going to win you two games. Your goalie's going to steal you a game. And then that fourth deciding game, that's uh, always up in the air. That's the X factor is how do you close out a team. And it takes it takes experience of, of doing it or not doing it and learning from it and going back the next year like we saw early with the with the Kane and Taves Blackhawks where they, they got in the playoffs – then they got to the conference finals. And as that group learned to get that fourth game, I mean, I don't think anybody's been better over the last eight years that when they have their foot on another team's throat, they close the door on it. And they've proven that. And I don't know if the Capitals will be able to get to that point. Yeah, no, I agree with that completely. Well, we have the defending Stanley Cup. This this is Chris Chris thinks the uh Central is is probably the strongest league strongest division in the league but going through this i could make a pretty strong case that the metropolitan is the strongest division in the league when that's i mean we're just going to move down from the president's team to uh the defending stanley cup champions <laughs> and they don't have any rock i mean they lost lovejoy and bennett but they i mean you just plug in pieces there and and off you go and they've got skill they've got speed how how do you think that Matt Murray's injury I don't think there may be a better team besides Tampa with their goalie situation to absorb an injury to a defending Stanley Cup champion goaltender in the way that the Penguins are and I think you start the season with Flurry and you don't miss a beat I don't even know if Murray was penciled in to be the starter or whether in in camp there um, flurry with the, whether there was going to be an open competition going. I'm not even sure what the status there was, but I don't. Th- what do you think about Murray's injury? Is that going to slow him down to start, or am I wrong there? Um, for the the Penguins, I really don't think so because, like you say, you're, you're losing one Stanley Cup winning goaltender and putting in another Stanley Cup winning goaltender. So uh, they're obviously at different ends of the of the career spectrum. Whereas Flurry's on the tail end at 31, and Matt Murray's on the ascension at 22. But if anything, it just kind of puts Pittsburgh in a better position because they have to play Fleury and they have to show him off to everyone. Because this is one of these goalies who's going to be on the market uh, either for uh, Las Vegas to pick up. Expansion. Expansion draft. (laughs) Expansion draft. That's right, because he's got another two years. Right. Or he's on the market for someone else to pick up. Um, You know, maybe Brian Elliott doesn't work out in Calgary and Calgary's looking to pick up someone who's been playing well. Well, hello, Marc-Andre Fleury is there. Especially for a team like the Penguins, I just brought it up now, who are three million under, like over the cap. So they could use losing someone who's making five point seven on the cap. For sure. Um, now, is that going to slow them down? I don't think goaltending is going to be the issue. I just think that the novelty of the Pittsburgh Penguins is going to wear off. People are going to figure out how to play up against them, and I don't think it's going to be as smooth sailing as it was last year. It's kind Did of they make the playoffs. I think so, but. I think they're kind of in a similar situation to the Kings were. If you remember, Terry Murray got relieved midseason and brought in Coach Sutter and, and took him all the way to the Stanley Cup final. And That's right. then the next year was the lockout, so they didn't get a camp with Sutter until his third year. Um, this will be their first camp under the new coach. And do you think that makes a difference – I think it makes a difference going through a whole camp with everybody there and the and the system. He might be able to add a few wrinkles to what they do that he wasn't able to put in on the fly. How do you think a full camp with coach works for the Penguins this year? Well, obviously a full camp helps anyone, but I really just think that what what happened last year is really gonna people are gonna know what what they did, and they're not gonna they're not gonna differ too much from it, right? Like anything that they did that. Penguins did last year was insurmountably better than what happened under Mike Johnson. Right, the power play was just clicking better. The zone entries were just clicking better. They were playing with speed. Sidney Crosby showed that he can score almost at will after Sullivan came in. So everything was clicking. I, I just don't know where else they're going to improve. The only reason they didn't win out their division division was because they were so bad at the beginning of the year. Right. So the camp will help as far as like playing that system and playing that system consistently. It's just how well is the, are all the other teams going to have or going to be prepared for them come the starting of the season. What do you think about the Penguins, Chris? Are, 
sounds like Michelle thinks they're probably going to take a step back. What say you, sir? I, you know, I like the team's uh, depth, especially at the forward position and in goal. Uh, I, I was amazed of through the playoffs. Um, you know, I mean, Chris Letang obviously was playing 30 minutes a game, but uh, I thought they needed to be a little bit stronger on the blue line and they wound up winning the cup. Um, obviously, any team that wins the cup, and you know, the next year from all those tough games played, and even though. You know, they, 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 after the Rangers, I mean, they had a real tough series against the Caps, the Lightning, and the Sharks. So you figure that's going to have a little bit of a hangover effect. I mean, they'll be fine. They'll be one of the top three teams in, in the Metro in terms of making the postseason. But then, you know, how much is going to be in the tank? And, and Michelle brought up a good point, too, is how much will teams have learned from playing against the Penguins, uh, you know, speed games? So those will be interesting things to follow. I, I agree with that. I agree with that. Well, let's get over. Uh, let me let you take the ball here. Or let me pass you the puck, as it were, and uh, let's 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 bust out the 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 Rangers, Islanders, and Devils, and get the New York metropolitan area taken care of, Chris. Okay, so we'll start with the Rangers. I'll start with the Rangers first, Michelle. Uh, do the Rangers this year get back to being an Eastern Conference contender, or has their window closed? I think the window's closed only because of the play of, of Henrik Lundqvist in the World Cup of Hockey. Like we saw it near the, the tail end of last year, he just he didn't seem the same, especially after that injury in the playoffs. Um, and now after the World Cup, he didn't have a great World Cup. He didn't have a bad one, but it wasn't a great one. You just saw that. Maybe he's mortal after all. And so I, I don't really see them doing any better. Do I see them doing demonstrably worse than their 101 points last season? Probably not. I, I really think they're on par for like that, that 100 to 95 point plateau again. So they may not get one of those automatic spots in the, in the East, but they might have to deal with the wild card. I don't see them dropping off and missing the playoffs altogether, especially after the addition of Mika Zibanejad. So they lose Derek Brassard, but they bring in Mika Zibanejad, who's essentially a one-for-one player when you, when you look in terms of maybe skill and point production. But in terms of age, they gained, what, five years on that trade? That's amazing. Also there on the... I, I on think the, be a little bit faster. Going down the middle there, they also let Derek Moore and Dominic Moore and Eric Stahl go and brought in Brandon Perry, Max LaPierre, LaPierre and Josh Joris. Um, so they're going to have a whole new look down the middle, and they also brought in Jimmy Vesey, Nathan Gerby, Michael yeah. Grabner. So there's going to be a lot more speed on the wings. Um, the, probably the team with the most turnover here in this division. Uh, Michelle, does does that worry you at all? I always worry about uh, team teams that go through bringing in seven, eight new players, kind of like the Ducks did last year. It took them. I mean, they had gone to Game 7 in the Western Conference Finals with a defending Stanley Cup champion, Blackhawks, and gutted their roster, which just, I was, if, in our preview Pacific last year, I was stunned that what they had done. And they got out of the gate through January horribly, horribly, no chemistry at all on that team. Is that a worry with New York with this kind of a turnover, especially down the middle like that? Oh, absolutely. If you, you lose all kinds of, if you have that kind of turnover, you're never going to have that continued, that the continuity or that how much, what's the word I'm looking for? You, you don't, you're not going to have that continuity. We'll just keep it at that. Okay. Um, but the thing that I keep going back to is you've got L.A. Vigneault behind the bench. That guy just doesn't seem to miss the playoffs. I agree. He just doesn't. So I, you know, how much is that going to mitigate that, that huge roster turnover? Who knows, right? But I, I, I really just think that he's that good of a coach that he'll at least get him to the playoffs. How he gets in there, I, I don't think he cares. As long as he gets in there, then you get a shot. I, I just th- don't see them making any sort of a dent. I think this team may be more of a, a Coach Vino-type team. I mean, if you want to go back to Vancouver. Um, they'll be able right. to play a little quicker. They'll be able to play a little more speed, um, a little more skill. But one thing that impressed me with Coach V was how he was able to adjust his coaching style to the rosters and the personnel that he had in place coming from Vancouver to New York and that he didn't try and force the, the up-tempo game 
and was able to adjust more to a possession type game. And now it seems like maybe the roster is starting to evolve a little bit under him. So it's a good point you make about Coach V and how how he just does make playoffs and does coach winning hockey teams. That's a, that's a good point. Go ahead, Chris. Okay, so let's move on to the Devils. And, uh, Michelle, how much will Taylor Hall be able to exhale going from Edmonton to New Jersey, and what will that mean in terms of his play on the ice? God, uh, I'm so – I still don't understand that trade. That's nope. why the, the Edmonton Oilers did that. Well, we'll look behind, like, aside from that, like, ridiculous trade and just focus on him. One of the best five-on-five players in the league, right? Yep. Um, can he overhaul this team who is a negative four or negative 24 in goal differentials? I absolutely think so. Is he going to make up, like, so last year they were 16 points out of a playoff spot. Sorry, no, 12 points out of a playoff spot. Can he single-handedly overhaul that? I don't think so. Um, but I do think he's going to get them another, what, maybe, we'll say 10 points on the season. That's a big difference for them. That's a huge jump up in the, in the, in the standings. He makes them at least competitive with the rest of the, the division. So that, that's a huge guess to them. The only problem now is that who, who do they have on the blue line? Who's going to come up and, and take Adam Larson's spot? Like, uh, not that Adam Larson's the best defenseman in the league anyways, but he was playing top-line minutes or top-pairing minutes. Who's going to come in and take his place? Obviously, someone will, but it's not going to be necessarily anyone of repute. So what's going on on the, on the New Jersey back end? However many goals Taylor Hall is going to score, how many are they letting in on the other side? I That's think, what I'm I think kind of worried about them. Their best defender is going to have to be Corey Schneider again, right? <laughs> yeah, you think you're right. One thing I do I mean, like... He showed, go ahead. Oh, that, that's all I had. Okay, one thing I do like, and I, I've said this before when the Stars brought in um, Patrick Sharp and Johnny Oduya from Chicago, the Devils did bring in Lovejoy and Bo Bennett, both uh, sporting their new Stanley Cup rings. And one thing I, I always look for is that experience in the locker room, that you know that championship experience, and maybe j- just even being role players on a, on a Stanley Cup championship team going into a new locker room, you kind of get that instant respect. And maybe that – it's always an intangible, but it's always something I look for. And when we did our – when we did our Dallas preview last year, I was high on the stars really for that reason. Chris kind of sh- tried to shoot me down on that a little bit. But uh, I, I, I think <laughs> that – Yeah, no. Yeah, well, you, got, you have quite a few on me too, sir. So I'm not giving you – I'm not throwing the right hooks at you or anything. Mm-hmm. You have quite a few on me. But uh, – no, I I do like the the having that that pedigree in the locker room, and I think that will do well for a lot of the young players that the Devils have. Okay, so my yeah, last question for Michelle, my last question for Michelle is, you know, uh, and we'll go to the we'll go to the home base here, the Islanders. You know, many experts uh, and many NHL fans, and for that matter, many Islander fans believe. You know, the Islanders took a step back this offseason in terms of the players that they lost, highlighted by Kyle Oposo and Franz Nielsen, and the players that uh, they gained, such as Andrew Ladd. But when you get it all up, uh, the team that finished the year last spring is, is was better than the team that's going to start on opening night. Do you agree or disagree with that? Um, I don't think it's the same. Are they better? I do think so. Uh, I, I really, really do. Uh, that's not to say that I don't think either one of those players were any well, were bad. I don't think Kyle Post was bad. I think Kyle Post was fantastic. And would I rather have kept him? Absolutely. There's no question about it. I'd rather keep Kyle Post than bring in Andrew Ladd just because of age. And I know it's only a few years, but that makes a big deal when you're giving out the kind of money you're giving out here. Um, the one that, that I like to focus on, and I wrote about it today on our site, is that... Um, when you lose Matt Murray and you bring in Jason Chimera, that fourth line is no longer the same. So that quote-unquote best fourth line in hockey is no longer the same whatsoever. It has changed from one of these prototypical checking lines who essentially hit anything on skates all game long um, to a line that is going to check but is also going to add goals. Like, don't, don't forget it, Jason Chimera put in 40 points last year. 
for a guy who's 37, that's a lot of points. It's not Yarmer Yager, but still, you know, 40 points on, a, on that fourth line is a lot. Our fourth line scored 71 points all between Sezikis, Clutterbuck, and Martin last year. You're getting that one player. That's fantastic. So I, I think what, what's going to happen now is that the Islanders are going to have more depth in terms of scoring. The only problem here is the Franz Nielsen effect, right? Franz Nielsen is gone, the guy who did absolutely everything for the team. Yeah. And not because, you know, he was the guy bringing plates of food for everyone. He was the guy playing shutdown power play or a, a penalty kill. He was playing power play. He was playing shutdown second line forward uh, duties and still putting up points. So who do we got to, to come in and take his role? Well, it's uncertain at this point, but from my best guess, it's going to be Ryan Strom coming in and taking that role. And Ryan Strom didn't have a really good year last year. So I, I get yeah, like I, why why end. Go for it. I think I think two big uh, guys for this year uh, for the Islanders uh, is going to be Ryan Pulak, who I think is going to have that dimension from the power play, as well as one Matthew Barzell. Uh, and yeah, I know they're very young guys, but they're very talented ones. So uh, I think they'll be okay on the penalty uh, kill, not the penalty kill, uh, the power play. Worry about the loss of Nielsen from the penalty kill side and the defensive side going against the other top six uh, centers that he did. So do worry about that uh, that a bit. But I also feel like Andrew Lance could be the best winger that John Tavares has ever played with. And we saw what John Tavares did for players such as Matt Molson and P.A. Parento. So uh, I, I, as long as Andrew Lance stays healthy, which I have no reason to think he won't, I think he's going to have a tremendous year. Yeah, I, I, I agree with that. I think that he's going to be a fantastic winger for him as long as they keep him there. That was the problem with Kyle Poster, right, is that he spent time not only on that first line, but primarily on that second line, away from John Tavares. When I get that you're trying to separate that kind of scoring prowess and put some on the first and some on the second, but there's a reason Kyle Poster couldn't play with John Tavares all the time. He just couldn't keep up. So I really do think that Andrew Ladd bridges that gap of just someone who can play with top line or t- like elite level talent, and I think that's going to be important. Just to have someone consistently on his wing that he can play with is going to be a, a huge advantage for the Islanders. I wanted to talk to you, Michelle, a little bit about uh, how the kids look in camp, uh, Barzell, and then specifically Kiefer Bellows. Is he is he in camp, and how is he looking? Is he going back to juniors again, or does he have a shot? Uh, I don't think Kiefer Bellows has a shot, not because he's not a good player. Um, I'm not even, I don't think he's even playing in, uh, in preseason. Chris, correct me if I'm wrong here, but I, I haven't seen him in any, any of the lineups so far. Yeah, he's going to, he's, I mean, especially with all the young forwards the Islanders have kind of knocking on the door. He's going to go back to junior for one year. But as, you know, Mark, we had George McPhee on in August, and he said he doesn't think that, he hit that Barzell and Bellows need that much time, which he basically said he felt like Barzell was going to make the team. I mean, Barzell could have made the team last year. So, you know, you have Michael Del Cole, you have Joshua Song, who will probably start the year in the AHL, which gives you with a lot of great flexibility. And uh, you have another guy like Anthony uh, Bellevue, I'm probably pushing his name, another first-round pick, who, who uh, is not that far away either. So they're they're loaded with these with these talented young forwards, uh uh, so, um, yeah, I, I think you're looking at Barzell, and uh, the question is Joe Cole and Hosong, uh, you know, making a big impression. So that phone call away is not that, you know, is going to happen sooner than later. Yeah. You know, if it yeah. does crop up. Correct me if I'm wrong, Chris, I but did. but when we were talking with Mr. McPhee, didn't didn't he say that he was pushing Garth Snow to take Kiefer Bellos with that pick? Well, he was, yeah, that, he said that was the guy he was high on all along. And uh, I think I think when the where the Islanders pick at 19, I mean, for me, it was kind of a, a, no, a no-brainer. Of, you know, there's still some good players up on the board. But to me, you know, you looked at all the different mock drafts, and Keeper Bellows is a guy who could have went things like that 10 to 13, 14 range. And the fact that he was still on the board at 19, they, they, had, to be, they had to be thrilled. Right, they had, sure. to be, they had to be absolutely thrilled. So, uh, but yeah, that it seemed like when McPhee spoke with us, he was that was the guy he wanted. 
He also told Garcinot not to expect any favors in the expansion draft too. So just just so you know, <laughs> Michelle, he he said Garth called him up to uh, to tell him to take it easy. I'm on the, on him on the, in the, the expansion draft, and George said he told him this is business now, buddy. Yeah, I heard that. I, <laughs> I expect it. Like, yeah, that's fair. It's all good. It's all good. Well, any anything else on the Islanders before we move on? Um, I, I really no, just think that that go for it, Chris. Go for it. No, no, no. I'm sorry. Go ahead, Michelle. I really just wanted to hammer in that point that you're making about that that youth depth. So while Kiefer Bellas might go back to the juniors, we got three guys in Dal Cole, Barzal, and Hossein who are pushing pushing for a roster spot, and we still have those guys like Ryan Pollock and Adam Pellick looking for a defensive spot as well. Now, Dennis Seidenberg coming in kind of, let me not put the kibosh on any one of them coming in, but definitely kind of muddies the waters for how many can actually get a defensive spot on the Islanders. But it just goes to show that well, if we don't get those 100 points this year, we're set up for the years to come. We have organizational strength from the top to bottom for years. So I really, I don't understand people on message boards who really hate on Garth Snow. When you look at this organizational depth, you go, my God, he's done a good job. Yeah, I think they have one of the best, deepest uh, forward talents in all of hockey myself. I think they're set up for the next, let's say, three to five years to start, you know, to finally, I mean, Tavares seems like he's been in the league forever, but he's only 25, and when you start bringing these other pieces up around him, um, I think the Islanders are going to be maybe two to three years ahead of Buffalo as far as the the growth of of their youngsters. And they're they're going to have to be playing in that division, but I really like, I, I really like their their young depth. We did a we did a show with some guys from up in Seattle, and they reminded us that Barzell, before he got hurt, was thought of as in the top three in a lot of circles with McDavid and Eichel. They were bandying. They were they were bandying. At least maybe in Seattle, is a little bit of home home cooking there. But um, a, a, a lot of the preseason draft rankings from that year had Barzal really high. So I think that was another steal well, where well, they got him. Well, the Islanders said publicly that after they drafted him, they felt like they got a top five pick at sixteen. For sure, and I think, or pre, you know, preseason, I think he was projected up that high with the the North American skaters. Um, let's. Uh, I don't know how much we need to go into, you know, some of the other teams in the divisions. Michelle, let me uh, out of, out of let's say Carolina, Philadelphia, and Columbus. Which team has a chance to surprise us? And I think which teams. Are are you know going to end for a long season? Carolina's in for a long, long season in my book, um, and you know, banding about a long, a very short future in Carolina if things don't turn around rather quickly. Uh, hello, Quebec City fans, looking at you, buddy. Quebec City, Quebec City Hurricanes, <laughs> Hurricanes, Nordiques. I mean, that's that's one of the teams left that is really on the on the bubble there. Florida did sign. Uh, a financial deal with the um, their city council there with seventy eight million dollars in bailout funds if it becomes necessary f- f- and that goes over seven years so don't look for the Panthers to move north into Quebec City but I think I think <laughs> if, if Carolina doesn't turn the page real quick um, that's going to be that's going to be some for the NHL to keep an eye on because I think the good people in Quebec City deserve a hockey team it's unfortunate the Canadian dollar took a took a dip the way it did when it did timing was awful for that but i'm on i'm on record here saying that i think quebec city i mean just traditionally deserves a a team as much as if not more than the city of las vegas does um the i think the league was actually surprised with the season ticket drive that las vegas was able to put together and you know kind of forced their hand a little bit into into um, you can't let us go through all these ticket drives and selling ten thousand tickets, twelve thousand tickets, thirteen thousand tickets, and then say, okay, you met our goal, but no, sorry, um, that I don't think they could they could have done that. I think, the, but yeah, I'm definitely a Nordex Nordiques 2.0 guy, and I think 
that's the state of the Carolina Hurricanes. This, that might be where they end up getting their team from. But uh, what do you what do you think about those those other three teams, Michelle? Who's I know Philly came up strong last year and had a, a real strong end of the season. Can they do better this year? Uh, I just want to say that I think you just got yourself free platoon in any shop in Quebec City after those words. Hey, hey, they're gonna love you. Up I, now. Hey, I love it. I got we got good friends in in Quebec City that email me all the time about the show, and and I I've been on record from the very start. I, I my my dynamic of the whole expansion franchise was how awesome it would have been as a city for Las Vegas, the most non-traditional market to go in with a Nordiques 2.0, the most traditional market and use them as a, a bar for us to, to set and, and try and match, um, as, as just as, and, and to learn from, to be honest, uh, with a, a, a non-traditional young hockey market to go in and always be tied with a, the birth of Nordex 2.0, I think would have been an honor for the franchise and for the city of Las Vegas to be associated with Quebec City as far as hockey goes. So that's, that's been my stance since day one. And I'm, I've never, uh, been in the, if you go back through all my Twitter feeds and the VegasHockeyPodcast.com, I've never had one bad thing. Oh, we deserve this more than that. I'm not that guy. <laughs> I, 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 am a hockey fan and I know the roots of hockey and, and just, I mean, talking with Clint Malarchuk and, and the, just the frenetic frenzy around the Nordiques games in the past when he played there, um, I, I, it would be disrespectful of me to think anything else as a, just a long time fan of hockey going back to 1980 when I was 12 years old. And that's where, you know, the USA hockey team's how I fell in love with the game, um, to, to, <laughs> just jump on the, the, the Vegas bandwagon and, and disrespect the good people in Quebec would be doing a disservice to them, myself, and the game of hockey. So that's where I stand. That's right. <laughs> right on. I love it. Yeah. Love it. That being um, said, that being said, let me let me uh one thing. All of the season tickets are sold out. We have sold the, the complete so awesome. the complete allotment of 16,000 tickets are sold out. If you're in Vegas and you waited too long to get your tickets, you're going to have to go on a waiting list. You might have to buy some quarter season, half season packages because there's a limited number of those available. But talking with Todd Pollock, the vice president of ticketing down at Vegas's Hockey, there the 16,000 threshold has been met and there are no full season tickets left. The Upper Bowl is completely sold out and all of the tickets that were marked for uh, season tickets in the lower bowl are also sold, and those those were sold with five and ten year commitments only. So, welcome to the welcome to the Las Vegas uh, NHL. We're gonna we're gonna do right by you. Anyway, back back to the uh, a little little Las Vegas hockey plug there. Sorry, boys, I got off. I kind of went off on a tangent there, but uh, let's let's uh, let's get back to the the Metro Division here. Wh- wh- where's Philly at? Uh, Philly, I think, is pretty much set for where they are now within the 90 to 95 point range, you know, duking it out for a wild card spot. The biggest thing for Philadelphia is getting their cap in order, right? After those years and years of terrible contracts, it's just setting themselves up for the next couple of years. And Ron Hexel has been doing a good job so far. It's just seeing the plan through the next couple of years. So there's still a decent team, you know, any team with Claude Giroux on it is going to do well. Um, it's just how well are they actually going to do? To answer your, your, your first question, what's the biggest surprise or uh, the biggest surprise next year? I think it's going to be Columbus, only because they're not going to have Sergey Bobrovsky start off with an 838 goals or save percentage to start Oof. off the year. Yeah, publicly publicly but admitting that he be... lost his confidence. That's right. Right? And he essentially got the coach. Yeah. That's not good. <laughs> no, that's not good at all. <laughs> that's not a good look, especially from a former no, Vezina so... winner. <laughs> That's right. Only a few years off. So yeah. I, I don't think he's going to go back to Vezina form, but I really don't think he's going to go back to his 8-3-8. And I think he was letting in like four goals a game, I think was his average. Like, that's not going to happen. No. Okay, so, so you got them there, moving back gonna up. They're going to win a few points. What, one thing, I got them moving back up. Going, going, back to, uh, going back to Philly for a second, you guys think Provorov makes the club this year? That was another guy I was high on in the draft last year, and I think dropped from where I thought he would go. Yeah, Philly were real happy to get him. Yeah, Hannafin went in front of him, but then um, I thought Provorov and Hannafin were maybe interchangeable at that spot. So I, I, I don't know. Be, be interesting with him and the Ghost, right? Yeah, 
That's right. Um, I don't. That's an interesting question. We'll we'll see what happens in camp. I I, I just I don't with signing Radko Gudis. They got a lot of guys up there on that blue line that just don't seem movable unless they're willing to trade. Like Nick Schultz is the one that comes to mind if they're going to trade him, but he's thirty four. Right? Like right. who's going to pick him up, and what right. are they going to get out of it? So maybe, but they have to move someone to get him in there. So how does how does Columbus do since we were talking to, going back to Columbus a little bit first full season now without Ryan Johansson there and first full season with Seth Jones on their blue line, um, I thought that was kind of a fantastic hockey trade myself when when that went down I was like okay this team needed that that team needed this this is a lot of fun um, going forward from there how does Seth Jones impact their blue line? Oh, big time. He's that, that, that big-time quarterback that they've been looking for in that blue line. The only problem with Columbus is after him, it kind of drops off a cliff, doesn't it? Well, Jack, like, jo- Jack Johnson's there, got- but he, he, he came out of uh, college with the, the nickname JMFJ, if you remember. And <coughs> by the time he, <coughs> excuse me, he was traded for Jeff Carter, the Kings fans had changed his name from uh, Jack MF for Johnson to Jack Minus Forever Johnson. And I haven't I haven't seen too much change in that since he's gone over to Columbus. <laughs> still an offensive threat, can still move the puck a little bit, and uh, will deliver a big hit, but too many chances. Uh, and I think that's kind of, I don't want to say specific of the Columbus blue line, but let's say the stay at home, clear the puck, one pass, get it out of the zone isn't, isn't uh, something they're good at yet. <laughs> no, I really don't think so. And we'll see. I, I think the big thing for them is going to be bringing in their third overall, right? The, the Pierre Luc Dubois. Yeah. Bringing him. I, I really think he's going to make the team this year. I love it. Just because, like you were saying, who do they have up the middle after Johansson's left? Yeah, they have, like, I think Dubinsky can play at center and Boone Jenner. But outside of that, what, you're going to put Gregory Campbell down the middle? Like, he's okay, but. It's not your top line center. What do you think about that draft so, pick? Because I, I remember at the time, right, right, right around the draft, everyone was, oh, how they pass on Line A? How they pass on Patrick Line A? And I think, I think bringing in the defenseman is more what that you know, long term and short term. If if they could bring in Pierre Luc Dubois and and add him to that fold right away, that was a draft pick of a high high talent player, and but also fills the need for them. What what's your perspective on that pick? Well, I, to me, it almost seemed like a Finn didn't want to pick a Finn, right? Because they had third pick overall, and right. the consensus note overall is going to be Jesse Puljujarvi. Oh, right, right, right. Take right. so, a line, and it's kind of like I don't know if I want to be the guy who takes the Finn over Pierre Luc Dubois. So he would, he just went with what I think is what he needed a center, and that's what he said at the draft. Is like we know this guy can play center. We want this guy to play center. So I think that's what they, they just went with that. They just went with, which is usually what, not what you go with when you go into a draft. They just went with what they need rather than the best available player. Yeah, I said Patrick Line. Definitely Puliarvi. What do you think, Chris? Um, Columbus, Carolina, well, real, Philly. Real quick on those three teams, I would love to pick Carolina as a sleeper team. If they if they had a you know a better goalie um, a better goalie situation, I like their young blue line. I like the, you know Skinner had a real good year last year, um, but you know I think they got they got uh, the last career out of Cam Ward, you know Eddie Lack, so that's that's an issue for me. Uh, Philadelphia. You know, I think they're going to take a little bit of a step back. They're going to have a bad year, but I think they're going to miss the playoffs. Kind of reminds me of the Islanders a few years ago. They finally broke through with their rebuild, made the playoffs, and then missed the following year. And the same thing happened with the Blue Jackets as well in recent times after that. Kind of reminds me of that. I, I, I'm i a little concerned about, uh, you know, their depth in scoring after the, after the big boys as well as, some of their thirty-something defensemen. I like their defense in the in the near near future. Over that's going to get here over the next year, the two years, if you will, uh, such as Provorov, such as Sanem, another guy to watch out for uh, down the line. But uh, guys like Mark Streit, 
Um, you know, uh, you mentioned Nick Schultz. So I have some concerns there as well. And then finally with Columbus, uh, you know, to me, Bobrovsky, he's a bit of a lure. You know, there's games where he looks unbelievable. But at the end of the day, he's a combination of two inconsistent and two injury prone. And as you guys mentioned, after Seth Jones, it gets big, it gets thin. You know, this, it would be interesting to see if 2015 first round pick Alex Wawrenski, uh, is able to make the team. Uh, and this is to me a huge year for Ryan Murray. I mean, when he was drafted, I remember at the time, I, I wish the Islanders were able to get him. He looked like a surefire, uh, strong top four, you know, second pairing. Uh, defenseman at the minimum, maybe he would evolve into becoming a first pairing defenseman. And, you know, he's had, you know, struggles with his play, struggles staying healthy. It's a big year, even though he's still a young man, uh, this is a big year for him to show them that he's got to be considered part of their core moving forward. But uh, I don't think any of those teams are going to wind up in the playoffs. Yeah, I got it. I got to agree with you. Maybe two out of three. I might. I'll, I'll keep that for the wild card prediction segment. But uh, Michelle, let me put you on the spot here before we let you go. Give me, uh, give me your top three in the division, and if the wild card teams are coming out of coming out of the Metro, who you got? So top three Metro, I'll go Washington, Pittsburgh Islanders, and then as far as the Metro had both wild cards. I would go Rangers and Devils. With the Flyers just losing out. It's going to be tight right there. And I don't know if the Atlantic has a wild card team in them. Um, we're, we did our Atlantic show. and Oh, it's tough in the Atlantic. <laughs> yeah, it's ugh, a lot of really bad teams in the Atlantic. And a few not so good, not so bad teams like Montreal is going to have a bounce back just because they have Carey Price. But then I th- what? I think Atlantic and the Pacific are the two teams that have, and and the Atlantic more so the the most separation between the top top of that division and the bottom of that division, just as far as talent and and ability goes. And and not to say that every player in the NHL isn't a talented hockey player because they're all the best hockey players in the world. But um, just if if you look at the Atlantic with with the top of that division, and once you get below three, maybe four teams, it's tough. It is. There's a lot of separation Absolutely. there. So I think we might have to take both both wild cards out of the Metro. Anyway, sir, we do appreciate you coming in on on uh, short short notice. You know, pulling you out of the press box there. Uh, someone took a slap shot there during pregame skate and uh you had to you had to jump in little to no preparation sir you did a great job and we appreciate you coming on the show i appreciate the invite guys it was great make, make sure you guys fo- follow yeah we look, we look forward to having you back for sure yeah we'll uh, have, anytime you let me know anytime later later on in the season when the islanders are blowing away the the competition there we'll have to bring you back on and talk to islanders for a full hour i'm sure you and chris could do that without me <laughs> I think so. All right. Well, make sure you guys follow Michelle Anderson's fan-sided website at Eyes on Isles FS on Twitter, and go to eyesonisles.com for all his content. And Chris recently um, started dropping his Islanders content there as well. So it's one-stop shopping for all your Islanders needs there. Eyesonisles.com. Sir, thank you again. We're going to let you go, and we'll look forward to talking to you down the road. Perfect. Thanks, guys. All right. That was Michelle Anderson jumping in on short notice, doing a fantastic job with the Metropolitan Division. Um, I I know I couldn't have done that well if someone called me up and said, hey, break down this division for me in two hours. We lost our guest. Yeah, like I said, I got to know Michelle uh, recently, and uh, he's he's terrific. So I guess it's prediction time for me and you, buddy, uh, for the Metro and – our Eastern Conference wild cards, because when we did the Atlantic, we saved those. So you want me to go first or you want to go first? Go ahead, Chris. We're we're about an hour in, so this is going to – this will just wrap up wrap up this episode so we can get it produced and out sometime middle of next week. Um, give me your Metro and give me your Eastern Conference wild cards, man. 
Metro, I'm going to agree, agree with Michelle. I, I have Washington, Pittsburgh, and the Islanders. I know a lot of people are con- a little concerned about the Islanders, but you know what? They're probably deep. They're one of the strongest in terms of depth in the league, both in goaltending and in uh, on the blue line. I mean, when you have J.F. Barubi as your third goaltender, I mean, there are teams in this league, such as Buffalo, who would kill to have him as their backup. I mean, Washington and Pittsburgh, you know, and to me and Tampa are the three teams in the elite, uh, three elite teams in the East until, uh, until some other up-and-coming teams like the Islanders, like the Panthers, prove otherwise. Um, in terms of the wild cards, I have one in the Metro, and believe it or not, I have one in the Atlantic. Uh, I'm going to go with the Rangers getting in as uh, in the out of the Metro in the uh, as wild card, and I have the Sabers. Uh, I'm betting on Buffalo staying healthy. I'm, I'm betting Buffalo Town, baby. I'm betting on uh, you know the GM there, uh, Murray finding a ba- backup goalie somewhere along the way. You know they had a real good team last year. They you know they added Kyle uh, Kyle Postel will help the offense a bit. I think Kulikov will will help really help the defense, and uh, they have to get line and signed uh, short uh, pretty soon. But uh, I like I like the Sabers um, sneaking in, uh, getting getting that re- rebuild, taking the next step, and and making the playoffs as a wild card. Wow, that's that's bold. I think they're still a year away. I don't think there's enough experience there yet. I think they're a little too young. I don't. I, I, I can't count on a goaltender being healthy who's never been able to do it before. Um, I really like the team. Tom, Tom's going to be really pleased to hear your picks. Um, but I, I think they're a year away, and I don't like the Evander Kane situation not being settled going into the season. I don't. I, don't, I just think that although last year Patrick Kane's situation, he certainly put a silence to the questions and the – the distractions as he went through and won his MVP. So I don't know if Evander Kane has that kind of character to put that aside and move forward with his, you know, professional duties, as it were. I guess we're about to find out. But I, I think that kind of a distraction, maybe, maybe I'm reading too much into that. Um, but I don't know. For as young a team as they are, I don't, I don't, I don't like to see any negatives on that side of the ledger. Um, you know, everyone's going to be asking him about it, and it just gets to be a pain in the butt after a while. And I don't show me, don't tell me on the goaltending there. Um, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go just down the line with Michelle. Caps, Pins, Isles, one, two, three. Um, I, I think the Rangers are going to have a slow start. Uh, they did. I wanted to get your take too. I know you were following the Jimmy Vc thing real closely. What uh, What do you think he brings to the table? He's going to be on the. He's going to be on the club right away, right? Uh, that's the word on the street, yeah. So, uh, you know, it's going to be a microscope on him because of his free agent frenzy, if you will. Right. And, uh, you know, this because I'm sure that didn't go over well with some of the established players who had to really pay their dues. Not that Bessie did anything wrong. So, um, you know, there's going to be a lot of expectations right out of the gate. And remember, this guy has not even played, you know, a minute in the AHL, let alone the NHL. So, it's a talented kid. It's definitely going to help the Rangers because they do not have uh, a great farm system in the pipeline due to all the draft picks they've traded over the last few years. So it'll be an interesting story to watch. He's going to really help them uh, in the years to come, I think. But how much is he going to help them this year? That's going to lot. So uh, it'll be interesting to see. It's a microscope in New York too. I mean, you know that better than anybody. Yeah, that's true you know, too. But if that's if he's if he's twenty games in point. and and he's uh, two goals, four assists, and and minus six, it's not going to be comfortable for 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 a young kid with his first trip into New York. Uh, it, it, it could go south. That's hard for anyone to de- deal with, let alone a twenty-two-year-old kid with for limited sure. experience. So for that's sure. Point. So caps, pins, aisles. Uh, I. Do you think that that the additions are going to create a new dynamic for the Rangers, with a little more speed and a little more skill, um, and they'll they'll right the ship after the new year and get into the fourth place, first wild card, and I just I just don't see a wild card in the Atlantic. I'm gonna I kind of flip a coin between Philly and New Jersey, but we already had a 
uh, New Jersey call. I really, I mean, Schneider, if anybody could do it, Schneider, Schneider could backstop that club up. And I really like Taylor Hall, but, um, not enough depth on defense. I'm a, I'm a, if I, I, I'm kind of looking forward to the, the pro Provorov ghost on the back end there. So I'm going to say Philly makes the last wild card in the East. So our, our, what do we got there? We've got Tampa, Montreal, Caps, Pins, Isles, Rangers, Philly, and Florida rounding out our Eastern Conference playoffs, at least on my side of the ledger. Yeah, I, I have uh, I have Buffalo, Montreal, um, Tampa, Florida, and I have Isles, Rangers, Pens, and Caps. All right. Well, mark mark it down. You'll be able to email us later on in the season. Tell us how how awful our picks were, and uh, we'll we'll <laughs> jump right in and agree with you. <laughs> so uh, make sure you make sure you follow Chris at the NL King on Twitter. He drops all his Islanders content and. He writes for the last word on sports for the NHL, so he has articles going through his, his NL King Twitter handle as well. And go over to the yeah, I'm working on something for the for, for the black on the Blackhawks for this week. For last word on sports, I am okay. Okay, we'll be looking forward to that. We'll make sure and get it out there once you drop it. Uh, make sure you go over to EyesOnIsles.com. Uh, Michelle Anderson's website for the for the Islanders fan sided page. Uh, Chris is writing for his Islanders content over there now, so it's our pleasure to have him on. And, and for for short term notice, literally he he was uh, an hour and a half from showtime when we lost our our first guest, who who we'll have back on, no problem with Mark Scheich. Um He had something he had to take care of, and we totally understand. So we'll be looking forward to having him on the show again. Uh, but Michelle jumped in, did a fantastic job. Can't ask for anything more out of that. So make sure you go to ionisles.com and, and check out all his content over there. Chris, it was a good show. It's a good week. Uh, we've got the the Atlant the blah, 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 blah. Okay. <laughs> we've got the, uh, the, the central that if I get off of this and finish mixing that down, I'm going to post up tonight. And then we'll have this one up probably Thursday. And then we have our final preview division coming up, I believe, October 11th with J.D. Styles from Cali Sports News. That's right. On October 11th, I think we're recording that show, so we'll have that out right around the time puck drops for the for the regular season. A lot of good stuff. We're working on some uh, new show, new guests, new shows, as well as great old guests. Uh, to uh, kind of wrap up October and get us into November. Fantastic. Looking forward to it. Looking forward to it. Well, that'll do it for this week. For Chris, I'm Mark, and we're gone. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.